Welcome, one and all, to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here uh, on this uh, Wednesday, right smack dab in the middle of August. Now, okay, now we're just getting to a point where, like, the, the, the football is just taunting us with how close it is. We're 10 days away from week zero. We've got um, lots to talk about. It, like, Twitter is getting it is getting very uh, randy, shall we say, out there. On Twitter, the, is, Twitter is getting Twitter is getting testy. I, pe- yeah, people are people are really starting to like like get to be over it at least at this point. So we've got lots of football to talk about, boys. Uh, and uh, by the way, football of a number of different kinds. Uh, obviously, we have plenty of UCF football news to talk about. And our guest on today's show, Tiffany Robert Sahadak, head coach of UCF women's soccer, joins us. What a busy summer she had celebrating the. 20th anniversary of uh, of the 99ers, of which she was a part, winning the uh, World Cup for the United States, and then uh, uh, getting ready for a team that's uh, in a tremendous amount of transition this year. Um, and uh, she's always a great interview. That's going to be the first of our fall sports preview interviews that we're doing um, with her. So uh, we'll be getting to that in the second segment. Gentlemen, have you been uh, accosted by Twitter uh, uh, in the last uh, what forty eight hours or so for I don't know wh- whatever like some some innocuous thing like I don't know Murph did you tweet out a picture of chicken parmesan and people were saying that you were a USF fan all of a sudden No did you tweet out a picture of chicken parmesan and all of a sudden people <laughs> no. were saying you were a USF fan No but I no but I feel like I might, I feel like it's right around the corner I at this like point gonna, I feel like I feel like that's on your to do list for Thursday Elo Elo I know you're I know you're a USF plant. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Let's just go. Okay. Got, all right. Let's. Let, let, we got lots to talk about here, but we're going to start with. Um, it's a busy day as we're getting ready for the rankings to come out. So uh, obviously the uh, coaches poll came out already. Yeah, I know. Everyone's excited. Um, everyone's real excited about this. The uh, this is uh, this is how we know we're getting into silly season right now. Is uh, UCF seventeenth in the coaches. AP comes out um, in uh, uh, when is it? When does it come out? I wrote it down. Here. August nineteenth, so five yeah, days Monday. Monday. All right. So a couple of the AP writers, the AP voters who are writers out there, they are um, you know teasing out their polls, their uh, their top twenty fives that they sent into the Associated Press. So one of them was Brett McMurphy of Stadium, um, well known in UCF circles for for reasons. For reasons which we won't get into just the just about yet, but um, he listed uh, he, he put up his uh, AP poll um, and uh, and UCF wasn't even ranked in his poll. So uh, our very own Luke Saris, Savage Luke, um, messaged him, sent him an email, said, "Hey, Brett, like, what's up?" And you know, just wondering if he would get. Um, if he would get a response. And lo and behold, Brett McMurphy responded. You can actually see his responses right now on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Um, and uh, I just want to read a couple of uh, a couple of takes here on, that Brett said. Uh, Luke's first question to him was, what is the primary reason for you leaving UCF out of your preseason top 25 for the second season in a row? I think that's what the real thing is. And here's McMurphy's uh, answer. Quote, whether I ranked the team last year has nothing to do with ranking slash not ranking them this season. Why is UCF not in the top 25? UCF lost the most productive player in school history, a quarterback, and also his backup to unfortunate injuries. 
Brandon Wimbush takes over after completing 53% of his passes last year with a TD interception rate of 4-6. to six. By comparison, Ian Book was 68%, 19-7 for the Irish if you wanted to blame the Irish's offensive style for Wimbush's numbers. So I believe the offense will regress for UCF this year. The defense was 13th worst in the nation against the run last year and returns only five starters. The defense probably will be the same or worse than last year, while the offense won't be as productive. I think that's... Um, now here's where here's where Luke went a little bit, and I, and I talked to Luke. I was like, I was like, geez, Luke, you kind of went in a little hard on him here. That's why he's, he's, called, he's known as Savage. That's why he's Savage, Luke. He has some. His last question is: Do you have a vendetta against UCF or their fan base that is influencing your voting, or do you truly believe they're not that good? And McMurphy goes, Yes, I have a vendetta against UCF. I have a vendetta against all 130 teams, well, except Clemson, which I voted number one. I base my top 25 on which teams I believe are the best 25 starting the season. It's not a prediction on how I think they'll be ranked at the end of the season. One last thing. It's my opinion. That's all. If you disagree, that's great. If you agree, great. Um, I thought Brett was fair. I thought he was tough, but I thought he was fair. Um, and he lays out the rationale for why UCF might not be ranked as high um, as people think in the AP poll to start the season, it's because you know you're missing a quarterback, you're missing the backup quarterback, and, uh, and the guy who's back there is yeah, grad senior, but you know wasn't all that wasn't all that mind blowing the last time we saw him out there, and the the defense lost a bunch of starters. Eric, you you brought up the fact that a lot of guys do look at you know returning starters and make a sure. calculation off of that. Um, you know he's right about. Uh, about the fact that, you know, look, it's I, I'm just one person here and there's one my vote. Let's, it's 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 one vote. Let's see what the rest of the poll looks like. Um, and you can read the rest of his answers on black and gold But uh, I, I mean, what do we think? Like, it, 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 Obviously, I know you guys think that his rationale is fair and probably correct. But um, like it, it is it, is that it, is that the right rationale here overall or do you think that maybe national media are missing something well, oh boy well, I'll, I'll go with that one here's the thing this is the second it's worth pointing out this is the second year in a row that brett mcmurphy has left out ucf from his preseason top 25 poll last year i i don't know where last year i don't know why he did this but year i think I, that's where that's why i think that's where luke is coming i'm defending luke and his question about the buy agenda because that's two years in a row that you don't have him ranked now does Brett have is his concerns valid? Questions are legit. Sure, it's a, it's a fair opinion on that. Uh, is it worthy? Does that mean they shouldn't be ranked as one of the twenty five teams? I, you know, that's for others to you know. Some people might agree or disagree with that. The, the thing with the polls is this, uh, and people, I, I think what's happened now, and and we do this as a society with social media is. Whatever team you root for, you're going to pick out the person that doesn't like your rank, the teams, your team's ranking, right? So if, if like, hey, my, he didn't vote for our team. He had us ranked 23rd, 24th. We ignore the, the voter that voted my team number six and probably overrated us. But we'll go after the guy that totally disrespects us. Well, so because I, that I guy who voted as number six was right and that other guy's wrong. Duh. Well, yeah, but <laughs> who says who's right and who's wrong, right? Everybody has an opinion. And there's no games being played. So uh, 
you know, he has the right to do that, just like anybody else has a right to vote for whoever they want. That's the beauty. It's in a poll. The thing about polls, it's an opinion. It's not based on, you know, facts. And look, it's, it's also an aggregated it. opinion. But I think everybody's influence, look, like everybody that has a problem with it, like us in the media here that watch UCF every day, we're biased too. We're influenced because. Well, we watch UCF every day. How can you not rank them 12th and 13th? Meanwhile, we're trying to knock a team that's probably playing in the Big 12. Let's say we're knocking or a Big 10. Let's say we knock uh, Iowa State. Iowa State. You know, oh, well, they, we would blow them out. Well, how do you know? How many snaps have you seen of Iowa State, right? So it's all subjective to that. Um, you know, like, do I think Brett has an agenda? I don't know. I don't know if the agenda or, or is anti-UCF is, is the word, but I will say this. I think Brett likes the attention and what's a better way to get attention than sparking a certain fan base that you know is going to react to it right murph what do you think are are they are people like brett missing something here or is it just you know like like what's the big deal yeah i mean what's the big deal really i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's his opinion and uh this is not the cfp nor does those, nor does this have any correlation to the CFP, um, and any suggestion within it is incorrect. Uh, so this is just a conversation piece, and UCF fans don't like his opinion, and that's totally fair. And I, I think I was most struck in this article. I'm most struck that this article actually exists. That's what I'm most struck <laughs> about. I am most struck that Brett McMurphy took the time to respond to Luke Saris because. He didn't have to, and he could have been just like I'm sure because I'm sure he's getting tons of hate. Well, we know he is. We know we know he's getting uh, heaps of hate from UCF fans about how he's disrespecting them and whatnot. Uh, but good on him for not only responding and answering answering each question, but he also could have been like really curt and like really like aggressively pithy. And he, he wasn't. A, like, he could have been a real jerk about it, but he put yeah, some thought into it. Like his explanations are like thought out and like filled out like he provides stats and like actual reasoning so whether you disagree or not like you can at least see where he's coming from and that's that's commendable i mean again you can disagree with his opinion and his thought but he went out there he responded he gave you his evidence that he's using to not include ucf and i i I respect him for that that was that was pretty cool and i'm glad that this I'm glad that this exists. When when this popped up this morning, that when this when this was published this morning, I was really happy for Luke uh, to get this out there. But I was more moreover just shocked that Brett McMurphy actually like came out with his own his own uh, defense and his own yeah. explanation now, to us. Now, in, in, in fairness, to uh, he also appeared on the morning show in Orlando open mic as well. To yeah. basically address it as well, so like, like I think Brett was more than willing to, you know, but I, I, you know, I've booked Brett in the past when I was producer at radio, and he was very easy, like as far as to book and stuff. I, yeah, and, to, his, and good, to his credit, he is he is highly yeah. accessible. Again, yeah. you may not, I may not, I don't agree with everything he writes or his opinions, but that's okay. That's okay. The world moves on, and again, as I've told fans on social media that worry about rankings in the preseason and all this stuff, if you win games. It'll take care of itself. It did the yeah. last two years, um, period. That's it. So it doesn't matter what the poll says on Monday. It doesn't matter what this one writer or college football media guy here says. It doesn't matter. It's going to take care of itself on the field. And if they win the games that they have to win, 
they will achieve their goal and end up in Dallas at the all at the major bowl game. That's the goal here. Uh, that's really the only thing that matters. I, I again, we've I know me and Murph have said this, and we'll probably be again. We'll say this again. The Many most and only the only thing that matters about this ranking is where is UCF compared to your other quote G five teams because you want to be the highest ranked G five team. That's the only thing that matters. Everything else is just a lot of gibberish. Yeah, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Um, McMurphy did put, uh, let's see, I think he put, uh, he put Army at 25, he put Memphis at 24, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm scrolling up because it's a whole graphical interface thing. Uh, that's that's it for his G5 teams right yeah. there. So, I mean, I mean, you could make a pretty fair, and by the way, he uh, on on stadium, he lists why, he listed every guy, uh, every team the way he did. Um, so you can read that there on stadium. And by the way, and, and you're right. And I do want to thank Brett for actually, you know, reaching back out to us. Like I said, he didn't have to do that. There's a gazillion guys who wouldn't, but he did. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily entirely agree with him, but hey, look, I, I mean, it's his opinion. And I, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. And, um, you know, and a lot of UCF fans are going to be like, yeah, well, he stinks. Well, I mean, that's. If you put UCF at 16, you'd be singing his praises. But, um, you know, I mean, let's be fair about it, right? Um, but, by the also, way, we, oh, if, go ahead. If you are a college football, well, no, not in college football. If you are a, if you are a voice for a certain sport, you're a, if you're a columnist or an insider, if your opinion is supposed to matter and you're doing something that everyone agrees with, you're probably bad at your job. Yeah, that's that's fair. But by the way, this brings up uh, a uh, a little promotional note that I wanted to bring up. Um, today was the first ever was the release of the first ever SB Nation Fan Pulse preseason top twenty five, um, an initiative from SB Nation and all the uh, t- all the team sites, including ourselves, um, to uh, basically come up with a, a fan voted aggregate top twenty five um, that fans vote on throughout the year. Um, and the national poll had UCF at 16th. Uh, fans of non-autonomous five schools were, pool, were were dropped into one pool. Their ballots were all put into one pool. And they had UCF ranked 14th. The two schools that they skipped ahead of them were Penn State and Utah compared to the national ones. So, um, and I thought that was fairly interesting. You know, coaches poll 17, SB Nation fan poll 16. And by the way, this is all happening before we even five days before we even know what the AP is going to look like. I mean, for all we know, the AP is going to have UCF at 16 or 17 also. So I, I don't know. It, and then also we'll do, like as Eric said, we will do this for the next couple of months where we will say again, Please don't worry too much about this. All right. Yeah. Well, I, well, here's the thing. Okay, I want you yeah, guys. Jeff, to help that's you. Dis- that means you. Yeah. No, I want you guys to help me dispel this myth because I got, I I got hit up on Twitter for saying like, look, why do we even care about the Associated Press poll? It has nothing to do with the college football playoff. Correct. Um, the, the CFP is going to do whatever it wants. This is a preseason poll. Um, like, why are we getting? you know, all worked up about this and everyone came back with the same line, which I think all three of us agree is wrong. And that is, they kept saying, they all kept saying that the, um, the pro that 
the CFP voters, they look at the AP just like they look at the coaches to put together their ballot. And it also and also factors in like wins against ranked teams means strength factors in strength of schedule, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's all baloney. No, it doesn't. Strength of schedule is calculated by wins and losses and then opponents wins and losses. Um, And they the CFP voters, if you go back and you actually look at the history, they don't give two craps about what what the AP or the coaches poll say, because the last two seasons, the CFP poll has put UCF one and sometimes two spots, actually sometimes three spots lower than the than the uh, than the coaches of the AP have. So don't tell me that they're influenced by it because they're obviously not. Right. We did a show right before the coaches poll came out. We said, what do we think we'd be ranked at? We were all, I think we were all within a spot or two what their actual ranking was, right? If I recall correctly. I think, Jeff, you said 18. Murph, you might have said 19. Uh, I think I said maybe 20. I took 20, whatever. We were all in the same ballpark. Yeah, me and you talked about 19 to 20, and you said, I'll take 20. And I said, okay, I'll take above 20, meaning 19 or lower. Right. Well, they ended up being 17. What were we influenced by? There was no poll that influenced us. We just made an educated guess. However rationale we decided, we feel that's kind of where we think they were going to be at. And they were. We weren't influenced by a poll. (laughs) And it's not like, do you really need the AP and the coaches poll? I don't think the playoff committee is like, man, they got got Alabama and Clemson's one, two. Let's write that down. Let's ignore the fact they've been the two (laughs) best programs in the last five years. That No, no. They voted one, two this week. So we're going to do that. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's, do brands matter? Sure, they do. They do matter. But again, um, the, the, to suggest that the, the polls influence the playoff committee, no, it doesn't. And last year, UCF was ranked higher in the AP in the coaches poll than they were in the playoff poll. So why wouldn't, yeah. why would the play? In fact, I believe UCF was ranked higher than Michigan in the AP in the coaches poll, but yet in the playoff poll, they had Michigan ahead of UCF. So if they were so influenced by the AP and the coaches poll, why didn't they just put UCF ahead of Michigan? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. Well, and we're going to talk in a few weeks when we get to the Stanford game, assuming everything holds true to form and Stanford's still ranked, about Stanford being ranked. And we're going to talk. We are going to mention with real seriousness about it being a ranked matchup. That's because that is a selling point to the game. It is not a, it is not a, 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 a to, to point out that if they beat this team, uh, then, then, you know, that's ranked in the AP poll, then this will do this for their CFP poll ranking. It's a selling point for the game, not talking about what really matters, which is the CFP poll. That right. is 100% correct. That's a brilliant point right there. He just said that. That might be one of the top points that's been ever made in the show history. Probably any platform you listen to on UCF podcast. <laughs> Coming no, up tomorrow, right. Eric Lopez's top 10 points ever made on the Black and Gold Panorama <laughs> podcast. There you go. go ahead. <laughs> no, because this, he's right, though. People are always like, why do we, why is there, a, what's the point of, why are we doing a preseason poll? Why is it? Because Murph just nailed it. The reason they do preseason polls is to help them market certain games. Right. So, for example, when Oregon plays Auburn uh, in Arlington, that looks like an attractive matchup. It's a top 15 matchup. We don't know if either either of those teams, those two teams could have four losses by December. Same thing with the UCF-Stanford game. Stanford, I think, could be a 7-5 and five team by the end of the year. But to Merv's point, 
if they're ranked, that helps sell that game. It's a brilliant point. That's why they do the rankings because people wonder, well, why does it do it? They should do it in October. The problem is if you wait till October, how do you market the first two months of football? That's why college football – and for, for that matter, all college sports do that for preseason yeah. polls is to get you yeah. psyched up. And so I, I think it's a great point. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's, I, 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 I just don't want it. I'm cautioning UCF fans. I know they're not going to listen, but I caution UCF fans to, to please be smart about this because you can't have it both ways where you say, well, the, well, these rankings where, when UCF is, is getting, uh, is getting shoved down compared to the CFP poll, you can't say, well, these rankings, well, these rankings obviously don't matter. And then when it suits your purpose, then you turn around and say, oh, look how much these rankings matter. Don't tell me that they don't matter because they do. But they either the way, do or they don't. Pick one. And by the way, I would you could argue, and we don't know where they're going to be end up ranking the code, but if, you could argue them being ranked 17th, which is, I believe is higher ranked than they were a year ago, yeah. with as you know, many yeah, questions they have at the, with the quarterback questions that they have. You can make the argument that they're actually getting more respect, that they're actually they're, they're, they're starting to grow now. That's a positive, you know? Like, yeah. oh, there's the, you know, last year was That's, like, oh, well, you can't win without Scott Frost and things like that. You don't have, you're, I mean, McMurphy makes a point. You lost your franchise, arguably the greatest quarterback in program history. Then you lose a guy that probably might have been the favorite to be the incumbent, at least a starter who has experience anyway. So you're, you know, now you're starting to transfer and then you got, you know, some question marks with the kicking game. You're actually getting respect, which is what you wanted, right? Last year we complained because we were ranked behind teams like Boise State uh, because of Boise's reputation. We're starting to earn a reputation as far as on the field, and I think that's a big positive. We're six spots higher in the preseason coaches' poll than UCF was last last year with Mackenzie Milton. So, I mean. And historically, that's how this sport works is usually the more time, if you win year in, year out, you start getting more benefits of the doubt. Exactly. We're starting to get that. Yeah. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that going forward. All right. um, Big story that broke today. I want to transition over to this before we take our first break. Um, It was announced. uh, Mark Daniels actually announced uh, on his uh, show, The Beat of Sports, uh, on uh, the Knights' flagship station, 96.9 The Game, that uh, uh, a dear friend of both of ours, uh, Eric, uh, and UCF's sideline reporter for the last 24 seasons, Jerry O'Neill, is retiring from the UCF um, broadcast team. Um, uh, Jerry actually called into the show um, said he was hanging it up. Uh, he wrote uh, uh, an excellent letter on uh, on UCFnights.com, which you can read. We have a story on the uh, on the uh, site that goes over um, both. Um, uh, Jerry's first worked with UCF in 1995, um, and uh, was the pregame host as well. <clears throat> um, and roam the sidelines. Uh, actually, you know, you see him down at the coin toss, do the whole thing. Um, and uh, and he's hanging it up. He's hanging it up for uh, for good this year. Um, and uh, and riding off into the sunset with his wife Annie. Um, Leger Dusable will be joining the uh, the uh, broadcast team for UCF as a sort of si- as a sort of sideline analyst 
for the home games and for the FAU game. Scott Adams, who we both know also, is going to be moving into Jerry's slot as a sideline reporter and pregame host. Uh, Leger, of course, you know him 10 years in the NFL, um, uh, played uh, under George O'Leary um, uh, it's a, from 2004 to 2007. Um, a long time. Nine uh, NFL teams in his, uh, his decade-long career. He was just recently with... Uh, uh, CBS uh, Sports HQ doing some work for them as an NFL and college analyst. Um, Eric, you've worked very tightly with Jerry over the years. Um, I, I, I don't even know what question to ask you. Just give me your thoughts on uh, on what this uh, on what Jerry meant to you and what you felt he meant to UCF. Well, and what he meant to the market. Think about uh, not during that 24 years where he was a silent reporter. He was also a radio host in the market. And that was significant because when you wanted to hear somebody talk UCF football, you knew there were two people in the market for the most part that were going to you guarantee was going to talk UCF football. And that was Mark Daniels in his shows and Jerry on his show. And that that's so it's a it's a, really it. That's been the voices. And for Jerry on the sideline. Uh, for 24 years, for me, obviously, I worked with him. I was his producer uh, over when he was at 1080 for Tuck and O'Neill for many years. I helped book guests for like five, six years. I was a ho- co-host with him when Mike would be off uh, many a times. I even recently, uh, earlier this year, when he was on 96.9 a game on the, the finish line, I was filling in for shot. I got to host, uh, co-host with him. And so I learned a lot in that regard. And then when I was covering UCF football, I would see him all the time. Um, and what I'll miss, it's going to be weird. Obviously, forget the great work he does on the sideline and the entertainment and the passion that he brings to his industry. No one has more passion that brings it to the table than Jerry does. Uh, the fact that I, I will miss that fact that when I go down to the press box, you know, he's always one of the – and Murph can, uh, can uh, you know talk about this because Murph gets there very early. Jerry's one of the first people there because mm-hmm. he's prepping for the pregame show. He's gotten his notes, and I've, you know, I've been blessed that – I have filled in for Scott uh, three occasions in the past on the pregame show, so I know how Jerry works at it. He's tossed it to me. Works relentlessly on that. Uh, very passionate. Do- doesn't mind taking a joke because he's taken plenty in that from that crew where you know, if Notre Dame's losing <laughs> on the scoreboard, trust me, he's hearing about it, and we tease him about it. But it just it's a fun atmosphere, and it's fun. He's always smiling. He's always in a good place, uh, and, he, and he has the passion for the UCF football and uh, I will miss that, uh, seeing that this starting this year. It's going to be very strange. Uh, media people tend to go down in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and it's going to be weird for me uh, when I go down there the first time and Jerry's nowhere around. Uh, I'll never forget the South Florida game in 2013. I was down on the sideline standing next to him when Blake Bortles hit uh, Bashard Perriman for that touchdown, which would turn out to be the go-ahead touchdown as they beat South Florida on that Friday night. Uh, that will be weird, and I'm sure it'll be weird for Mark and Frank Lover, the engineer, those guys, and Gary Paris. Those guys have been together from the beginning, and I think those guys as a whole deserve a ton of credit for building the UCF broadcast from scratch back in the mid-'90s to what it is now, and I hope uh, in the future uh, they all get inducted into the UCF Hall of Fame maybe as a group. Yeah. I think about that when they started, UCF was still one double-A. Murph, you've seen jerry what about your interactions with him over the years well i can't top that i mean i can't top you know eric's uh you know 
decades long experience with 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 Jerry. I, I just know. I mean, everything he said is so true. Uh, and I do think what sticks out to me is Jerry's passion for the game, both before the game and during the game. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, in the in in the uh, conference championship game two years ago against Memphis, the first time against Memphis two years ago. And when they missed that field goal that would have won Memphis the game, you see Jerry underneath the crossbar and he misses it. And he's doing like his best Carlton Fisk, yeah. waving it wide. And then like it's a huge <laughs> fist pump once it passes through the, uh, once it passes the bar. Um, it was, um, and he, he, and you can, you could sense that before the game too. He just loved being there, loved, loved doing what he did. Was always uh, nice and cordial. Always had a you know hello for me, and we chat a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think that that sort of you know you, you always want to to love what you do, right? I mean, it's never work if you love what you do. And so I don't think he worked for the last twenty four years because he just yeah. brought so much passion to his job. Jerry was um, certainly an influence on me as a certainly starting off as a listener when he. Uh, uh, it, when uh, he and Shot Doctor had their show back when I was a student and I came to Orlando in the early 2000s. And then later on as a student, when I saw him, um, y- you know, working the sidelines, when I was shooting video, you know, it, you see Jerry, you know, I say hi to him. You know, he didn't know he didn't know me from Adam, but he was always nice to me. And then later on, when I came back to UCF, uh, when I was working in town, I, I got to know him a little bit better. But I really didn't get to work with him, you know, overly closely until I started helping out, um, thanks to you, Eric, at 1080, working with Sports Talk Florida um, and writing stuff. And I would, you know, would run some UCF things by him um, here and there um, just to see what he thought, because I knew I I always knew how uh, how incredibly well versed he was in everything that went back that that I was interested in with UCF and. Whether he uh, and I wrote this in our little tribute to him, whether Jerry knows it or not, he is at least uh, instrumental in the idea that turned into this site because uh, he encouraged me and uh, to and and gave me the idea that, you know, that I was actually on doing the right thing in terms of writing about UCF and covering stories about UCF and that I was on the, the right path about a bunch of things. Um, and then when we decided to, you know, when I took my expertise from there, when the sports talk Florida thing went away, um, and then I started this site and then I brought you on Eric, you know, it, it, we, first of all, we got tremendous help from Jerry because he would have us on the show as guests when we were first starting out the, the site. I can, I cannot thank him enough for that. Um, because that gave us, you know, a legitimacy that quite frankly, I don't know that we, we would have ever been able to have been able to get with UCF fans um, had it not been had it, had we not gotten the 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 stash's seal of approval. So, um, Jerry, I don't know if you're listening, but on behalf of all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, thank you. You've been amazing to all of us and so many more people throughout uh, the Orlando market and around the country, really, um, with your influence on us in this uh, in this industry. Our best to you. Our best to Annie. And uh, listen, don't be a stranger around here. Let us know. Uh, let us know if there's anything uh, if you ever want to get together because we're here for you anytime you want. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk women's soccer, our first fall preview, uh, and it's going to be with uh, uh, Tiffany Roberts Haydack, UCF's head soccer coach. 
talk about uh, her getting back together with her old friends from the 99ers, the USA Women's National Team celebrating their 20th anniversary and what's in store for her nights in 2019. Stick around. We're back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez here uh, with you. We're starting our, I can't believe it, here we are. It's uh, it's time for our fall sport previews. And first up, as she has been the last uh, three years now, is one of our favorite interviews. Of course, one of our heroes from the 1999 U.S. Women's National Team and the head soccer, head women's soccer coach at UCF, Tiffany Robert Sahadak, joining us once again. How are you, Coach Tiff? I'm doing great. Soccer season's going on, so yeah. Very happy. Well, it, it never really ended for you this summer, did it? You were uh, busy running around with the 99ers, celebrating the 20th anniversary of your guys' World Cup, and lo and behold, your compatriots uh, win their second consecutive World Cup this year. Um, tell us about the experience of this summer, not just celebrating um, the monumental victory that you had um, with your teammates. Now, two decades ago, I can't even believe I'm saying that, but um, Don't mind it, me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but seeing Team USA uh, continue to uh, dominate in the fashion that they have the last uh, in the last two World Cups. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, being a veteran of the national team and, a, you know, a, a World Cup champion, we the whole 99ers, I mean, we are behind uh, the current team and we were cheering them on and. We were fans. Um, you know, we all got to meet uh, the team and spend some time together during alumni weekend of all national team players. And it was just really cool all being together and cheering each other on. And it's just, it's just really cool to be part of that that group. And then just to see them carry on the torch is, is awesome. You know, you know, those players on the team this year, they they grew up watching you. And and, you know, Mia and Brandy and Michelle and and everybody on that team. And and some of them, you know, were even I mean, must have been like what toddlers when you guys won. So they grew up in a world where the, the breakthrough that you guys made 20 years ago, which I remember, uh, you know, I remember watching and running around my living room uh, when you guys beat China in the Rose Bowl. Um, and, and you guys were, you know, I counted you and, and the, and the rest of that team is one of my sports heroes of my teens. And, uh, because of what you did for the country and for, and for sport in general is one of the most thrilling sports moments I can remember from my youth watching it on TV. And, you know, they grew up in a world where that was already that there wasn't a breakthrough to be had because it had already happened. So from your perspective, how much has, has uh, soccer and women's sports in general, I think, uh, grown in, in this 20-year period between now and then? I mean, it's grown massively. I mean, if you think we have a, you know, these, these women are being able to play professionally. And I know we had a professional, you know, league after 99, you know, but wasn't able to withstand and you know, it folded eventually and we tried it a couple more times, but, you know, we have a league uh, that's doing well here in the U S but not just here in the U S if you look at it globally, there are leagues all around the world um, that are dumping money into uh, women's soccer. And you now see the parity amongst all the nations, 
you know, during the World Cup. Think about Spain, you know, kind of a right. black horse coming out and doing really well. Well, guess what? They have a, a really great uh, league that's being supported now. Um, and so you just see if the money is there and, and, and the countries invest in their women, you're going to see those countries stand out in the World Cup. So the parity is there and the support is getting so much better around the world. You know, Americans, we've always been, when you, when you compare us to the other countries, we've always been supported really well when you compare us to other women's teams around the world. But now you see other countries, you know, investing, and, and now there's more parity, which is amazing. Coach, when you watch the U.S. team play, do you watch it as a former player that's been there and think as a player as you're watching that match? Or are you thinking watching that match as a coach from that perspective? <laughs> I watch it as a coach. I think I've been far removed from being a player <laughs> now where – I don't know. Sometimes I, I can't even believe that I was a player <laughs> the way that I, I am now. So like another lifetime ago, but I think I've been coaching long enough where, you know, as a player, I don't think I analyze the game as well as I do now. And so definitely, you know, watching the games is, is wonderful for professional development. You know, we, we, Tim and I watch the world cup games and we just look at it uh, with different, you know, eyes as a coach, which is, which is pretty cool. Cause Tim and I learned a lot from the world cup and picked up on some things and I've already shared them with our current team and, you know, you could always get better and always grow as a coach. And we definitely use that opportunity to do that. Perfect segue to talk about UCF this year, coach, you know, we, uh, uh last year it's, you know, it would be easy to say that it was a, quote, off year, end quote, but I don't think that was necessarily true. I mean, um, because when at the end of the day, you guys had uh, you, you had a, the chance to host the, champ, the conference championship uh, heading into the final regular season um, game. You lose by one goal and then you still host. You still have the tournament out in Tampa and then lose by one goal there. Um it, it it was just it just felt like there were the coin kept coming up tails like a few too many times. And you're like, man, when can we catch a break? When you look back yeah. on last year, how do you how do you evaluate it now that you're looking forward to this year? Yeah, you know, we have high standards here. So even though, you know, we were one goal away of winning the conference, you know, regular season. So you feel like that's a good season, you know, but we have high standards so we feel like it was a down year because we, we want to win the championship. We want to win regular season. And if we don't, we're saying, okay, well, what happened? And, you know, going to the NCAA tournament and missing on that. So I think we just, um, you know, lost a few games during comp, not just conference, but during the regular season um, that we really couldn't afford to lose um, that where we just took hits, you know, in the RPI. So, so it's a good, you know, lesson for us and, you know, the team's very motivated now. And I think in everyone's eyes, if we don't, you know, win either a regular se season or the conference tournament and don't get into the NCAA tournament, then that's the down year for us. So, you know, that's okay. And we just pick ourselves back up and, and focus on this season and hopefully we can accomplish those goals again. Of course, uh, one of your leaders will be the senior, Kanye Plummer, who was on the World Cup with Team Jamaica, was the captain there. How does that experience for her, being in the World Cup, do you think will make a difference for her this year now, moving over to playing in a senior year, and what, what 
Charlie Hurd, of course, mentioning in the all-conference there on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it should give her you know, confidence knowing that she's played against the best players in the world on the biggest stage that you can play on. So hopefully that's just helped her confidence level. And I think, you know, she is a captain uh, this year, one of three captains. And, you know, I just want her to use that experience to be a vocal leader out there as well. And, you know, hopefully um, getting everyone to rally around her and, and the rest of the captains just to, you know, amp up the intensity level at training and the intensity level in games and hopefully you're just all around. It's, it's just help, helped her confidence and playing, stop, you know, even the way that she plays and the decisions she had to make in the World Cup, it's got to have had an impact, you know, on her decision-making for this year. Kanye and Kristen Scott were both named to the uh, to the conference preseason uh, all-conference team on Tuesday. Tell us about Kristen, because she was such a, a wonderful find for you guys uh, last year. You know, she started all 18 games. Uh, she had six goals, which was second on the team. Um, but you're looking for a little bit more growth out of her this year, too, aren't you? Absolutely. We need growth out of a lot of the players, and that's one of our biggest uh, you know, when we talk about recruiting players and a big part of our program is, is growth and wanting to see players improve and excel every year. And so, you know, that was a standout season for, for Kristen and, you know, a great place to start. But this year she has competition. And I think that's the difference between this year and last year is she didn't have as many players pushing her. Um, so I think, you know, she had a little bit more freedom to make mistakes and still have the job this year. She doesn't have that flexibility. So we have a large roster this year and there are a lot of front runners. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's going to be great uh, because it's just going to, you know, promote a lot of competition and training and it's going to force people to get out of their comfort zone and get better every day. And they're just going to be held accountable um, with every session. So you know, Kristen um, has got a lot of work cut out for her because she's got people breathing down her neck. <laughs> yeah. And that's got to mean a lot to you have some depth there because, you know, for people that don't know, a soccer roster is very fluid. You have players, when you have talented players, sometimes in soccer, you they tend to, tend to leave, uh, go early and play professionally, decide to do that. So you got to adjust for that. I know that's happened to you and even with the, that affected this roster. So it's good to have some depth at areas because you just never, with talent all around and competition that brings in there, because you never know, players graduate, but then also sometimes opportunities come elsewhere. Oh, definitely. And, you know, just to mention, you mentioned, you know, um, players leaving to go professionally. So we've, you know, lost Dina and, and Seth and they're playing back in Germany. And, but the good thing is, you know, we we went to work right away knowing we weren't going to have them back for this fall. And like I said, we've added to our roster, especially in, in the forward positions and been able to replace them. And, and hopefully we'll have, you know, some standout players that can get the job done. Life at goalie uh, kind of is going to be different this year. No Vera Vera. So that's going to be different for at least for me <laughs> getting not used to seeing her name. What can you tell us about the impact she had on your program? But at the same time, now you've that's someone else. It's someone else's turn in, in, a, in a position that's rich with tradition at UCF, as we know, uh, with, with the recent Hall of Fame, one of the great goalies. Alina Ray is being inducted, so Vera might be joining her down the road. So it's a great position, a, a pride position. What, do you, what can you tell us about that position this year? 
Yeah, so our starting goalkeeper right now is Caroline Galau, and she's a redshirt freshman. So you're right. I mean, Vera Vera, she was a four-year starter, and we had the luxury of, you know, having her every year, and that was just a very comfortable place that we've been in, knowing that we've got, you know, an All-American goalkeeper holding it down for us. And uh, now we have a, a freshman, you know, redshirt freshman that's going to have to take the reins and and do a great job for us. And you know, she was here in the uh, this past fall, and she was able to train and watch and observe, you know, Vera. And she was in a wonderful environment to grow, even though she wasn't getting the experience during the games. She's been in a great training environment under Chris Cummings, our goalkeeper coach, but then, you know, having Vera to watch and observe and to train with and to compete against every single day. So, you know, Caroline is young, but she she's a stud. <laughs> I think she's great. And she has leadership qualities already, which you want in a goalkeeper. So even though she's young, you know, she may make some freshman errors and that's going to be part of her growth. But, you know, She's very athletic, and I may go as far as saying she may be in a better place than Vera was her freshman year here. So I have high hopes for Caroline. When we look at the uh, at the league as a whole right now, USF and uh, was picked as the preseason favorite, uh, and uh, Memphis right behind them. They both had four first place votes, but USF had two, two two points ahead of them. You guys are picked in third with two first place votes. But I did a double take when I saw this, Coach. I, I looked at the preseason United Soccer coaches poll, and I'm like, where is UCF? And they didn't even give you guys a vote. Now, are you taking that preseason poll and sticking it in everyone's locker and saying, this is what everyone thinks of you, let's go prove them wrong, or what? You know, I preseason polls are kind of funny. I mean, you know, we, we need to have them, and they're great for recruiting. and But it's really just everybody speculating, and you have no idea. Right. You, know, you just really, people voting have no idea what it's going to be. And, you know, if you're picked in the top 20, I would have said, I would say, great, awesome. This is great for recruiting. People are seeing that we're top 20, but at the end of the day, what happens before we do anything? I mean, you just don't know, you know, we've been voted and and not stayed in and we haven't been voted and made our way up. So there's just so much time to prove ourselves and actually don't take too much of that to heart. And we, we train as hard and work as hard, whether we were voted number one or not even in the mix. So, you know, we're pretty focused as far as what we know we need to do. And, and the voting, like I said, is great for recruiting. But other than that, you know, we just kind of stay focused and not try and focus on that stuff. Boy, that sounds like the same thing in a lot of preseason polls and a lot of other sports. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the schedule real quick because you got some good teams coming to town here. Uh, right now, you're, you're halfway through your exhibition season. You got an exhibition game uh, this coming Sunday against North Texas. The regular season starts with uh, a pair of games at home against Big Ten opponents. Wisconsin on Thursday, August 22nd into the season opener. Ohio State on Wednesday, August 28th. You go to Gainesville, but you're also bringing to town Arizona State, uh, Stetson in the non-conference before you start uh, your conference play. Um, it, 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 tell us, it, we've had this conversation before, right? About this, about your, your, your habit of scheduling murderers row in, co- in non-conference play coach. Um, <laughs> looks like, 
Looks like you did it again here, but uh, but at least I you have know. a few more. Let's see, at least you have a few more at home this time, right? We do have a few more at home, which is very exciting. And honestly, you're right. We have this conversation every year, and I say the same thing every year. I look at myself and say, what was I thinking? But, you know, I'm a competitor, and I expect my teams to have to compete against the best, and I want to know where we stand, you know? And if that means me taking a shot to my ego, then it is what it is, and it will make us better for the future. So um, we need to – you know, if we want to be one of the best and be one of the top teams in the country, then we got to play against the best and, and, and match up and just see how we match up. So, you know, we're coming up off, you know, out of the gate, <laughs> yeah. being tested. But I think that's good early on. You know, we were able to catch that W against uh, UNC early on um, a few years ago. So that's what I'm hoping for this year. And, um, you know, whether or not we get the Ws, we will, we will, we will learn from it. You know, and uh, I think it's just going to be better for us in conference play because ultimately we want to win the conference and uh, get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Do but you it's find not, it those games are going to hurt us. Sorry, coach. I was going to say, do you find it? Do you find it harder and harder to schedule each year with with the perception of UCF that as it grows as to to, to be a, a much better team, or is it a little bit easier for you because? Women's soccer at UCF in particular is considered a prestige program in in the women's soccer world. So, um, it, 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 give us some. Can you give us some insight on that? Like, is it is it getting more difficult? Is it getting less difficult? Is it staying about the same? What's it like trying to trying to bring people down here to Orlando and maybe go visit them? I think scheduling has always been kind of difficult. Um, I think that we are you know perceived as a as a really good team, and so. It's hard. It's hard to get people to come here. Like they don't want to play us at home. Um, Boy, that also sounds familiar. <laughs> well, yeah, with the weather too. You know, there's the weather factor. Yeah. Um, although we've got, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, so we're able to get them to come to us early. Although our games are going to be, you know, in the evening, but right. it'll still be hot. So, but, you know, there's a little bit of advantage with our with our weather. Um, playing teams from out of this region. So, you know, it's, I think it's always been pretty difficult. Um, so that's why I'm excited because this year we did, we're getting some good, some good home games, um, which will be great in front of our, our crowd and our fans. And the road games are going to be challenging too. I know George Mason's been pretty good in the last few years. You're going to be playing them up at their yeah. place, obviously Florida up in Gainesville. You basically had to beat them twice in 48 hours last year. Yeah. Um, and then that <laughs> long trip out to California too, you got Long Beach and Irvine out there and those are return games, right? Right. The Long Beach game is a return game. And since we were out there, we figured we'd pick up another game. And you know, a lot of times with scheduling too, it comes down to relationships and I have, you know, some, some friends that are coaches, obviously, and the Irvine coach is a good friend of mine. And I figured that was another, you know, good game to have while we're on the road. And Long Beach Day was definitely a return and they have a good program. And, yeah. you know, historically are, you know, a top team in the RPI. So um, we have our, uh, yeah, we're cut out for us. What are you thinking about this, about the, uh, about the in-conference uh, uh, teams as well? And I know, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, South Florida is, is the preseason favorite. Memphis is going to be good again this year. SMU, ECU. This is the last year for UConn. We know how, you know, they're kind of, they, they kind of have been up and down. But uh, tell us about what you think from the conference, at least in terms of this year. And, and what do you think about the impact of UConn leaving after this season? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's exciting. I, I Our conference is, is strong, and that's where we want it to be. And you really don't have any breaks. And, again, I mean, I think that's where we all want it to be so that we can help each other's RPI and the strength of that and get more teams in the NCAA tournament. So, ultimately, that helps and impacts our recruiting and, you know, the best players in the country want to go play for the best teams in the country. So, um, you know, USF, I, they have such a strong, you know, forward and she, I can't believe she's still around. I feel like I've been playing against her forever. Um, Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. Beans yeah. or Vines. I don't know how to actually. Yeah. Evelyn, Ve- Evelyn Beans. Yeah. She's just. Beans. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm kind of, I'm over her already. I'm like graduate already. <laughs> Uh, but we, you know, she's she's a handful, and uh, we're we're gonna have to take care of her. But you know, with her, they're they're just they're they're hard they're hard to beat, and you know, I think she's the one who ended up scoring on us um, in the game that we needed to beat them last year to right. win the conference. So, um, and then you know, Memphis just overall, I think that they have really good players, and um, you know, Brooks a good coach, and. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think you still at the end of the day, it's anybody's 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 uh, championship. So yeah. and then it's exciting because I think there's teams that are getting better, and you know SMU has had ups and downs, but you know past few years they've been good, and and ECU too has come up. I know they had been down for a while, but it looks like they're improving, and so I think overall that you know all the teams are getting better. And then uh, UConn leaving, yeah, that's it's. Unfortunately, you know, we, we would love for them to stay. Like you said, they've had ups and, ups and downs, but we'd like to have them stay because they're a, you know, a brand name um, and a, a big, you know, athletic department that, that people know. And so you, you want to have, you want to be surrounded by teams like that and programs yeah. and athletic departments like that. So, um, you know, I won't miss really going up to UConn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone will. <laughs> So at least I don't have to make that trip all the way out there and yeah. you know freeze freeze my you know what off. So especially if you got them late in the slate too, like a late October, yeah. it's like oh god, we got to go to Yukon and yeah. Halloween. Great. <laughs> right. So I'm not gonna miss the trip, but I will miss having them in our conference for sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. Go- Coach, uh, we had Bridget Callahan on recently, of course, in her full season now with the the Pride, and she I talked listened about. To it. Uh, well, good. Fantastic. I'm glad you listened. She's been glad to listen there. She uh, had high praise of you. And one of the things she talked about was when she changed positions and it helped the team defense. And I know we joked about it because it was the game where she got the red card against South Carolina. <laughs> and you were able to show for the line. But that's a big part of your success is you've always had great defense, not, you know, with the back line to the point where sometimes the goalie doesn't have to do much. Just talk about the strategy and putting players in, in places to be successful and help the team. And whether it means changing positions and or be a stronger defensive team, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the the art of coaching, right? I think good coaches can figure out where you know how this individual can be used, you know, you know, so they can be at their best or what's best for the team. And I think that's just part of uh, experience and, and the art of coaching and. And also talking to the players and finding out what their confidence levels are in different positions. And, um, and so, you know, Tim and I have been successful so far trying to figure out, you know, where these kids belong on the field. Uh, but, you know, that was, it was a good thing to happen, that red card, you know? 
because it, it pushed, it ended up, Cat uh, ended up, and I know you guys mentioned this, but, you know, that may let Cat, who played in the World Cup this summer for Brazil, um, yep. she ended up being a center back for us, and that whole change changed her trajectory of her professional career. You know, if she stayed in the midfield, who knows if she would have been on the Brazilian team um, this summer. So um, that that helps us, and you know, we'll, we're going to be doing that a little bit this fall because we've had some position changes, uh, just based on knowing what we have and our strengths and weaknesses. And so you'll see some players in new positions this year, and hopefully it keeps working out for us. <laughs> and right, if it well, doesn't, we'll make changes again. <laughs> but that's got to mean a lot to you. You mentioned Cat, though. That changed. Who knows? That helped her get to be on the Brazilian team and and, and have that dream. Uh, it's got to mean a lot to you because you've impacted a lot of players. I mean, Bridget said that without you and, and she wouldn't be in the in necessarily playing professionally now with what she learned from you. You got Mo Ferreira who's in the, getting into coaching and things. How does that make you feel when you have all these players after they leave, you still have an impact on them and, and, and helping them achieve what they want to achieve? Well, it makes me extremely proud and I'm just I'm just glad that they care what I say. <laughs> <laughs> you never know these these women are strong, opinionated women, and they could do what they want, but they actually choose and care what Tim and I have to tell them. So it makes me very proud. But, you know, it's 50-50. I, you know, Tim and I are here to guide them and give them the information. But at the end of the day, they have to do the work. And they have got to either trust what we're telling them or not. And, you know, we've, we've had good relationships with our players, and that's always mean, meant the most to me. Um, more than winning soccer games, believe it or not, um, more than the tactics, more than anything, I care about my relationships with my players. And I think when you have that and your players know that that's what's most important, um, they'll, they'll, they will listen. <laughs> they will listen to you. So, well, um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful that Bridget says that, but, you know, it is really 50-50 between her and I or, you know, just with Kat and all the girls that have been successful. Well, it, there's there's no doubt that we've we've been the beneficiaries of watching those relationships over the years and seeing some amazing soccer uh, from your team. So uh, Tiffany Roberts Hadak of UCF Women's Soccer, the team has their exhibition their exhibition home opener 10 a.m. Sunday this coming Sunday uh, on the 18th against North Texas home opener Thursday August 22nd 6 p.m. against Wisconsin at the UCF Track and Soccer Complex. Uh, home games this year against Ohio State, Arizona State, Stetson. Don't forget a road game at Florida, not that far away. Um, and home games uh, in conference play against Memphis, Tulsa, Temple, UConn, and South Florida on Halloween night to uh, end the regular season and hopefully um, maybe clinch a, a regular season championship and uh, an opportunity to go back to the NCAA's uh, one more time. Tiffany Roberts, Hadak, thank you so much for joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We will see you for those uh, for that home opener against uh, against Wisconsin. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Tiffany Roberts, Hadak. You can follow her on Twitter at tr sahadak. Tr sahadak. Follow UCF Women's Soccer at UCF underscore W Soccer. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll wrap up the show and uh, do a little news and notes here and there when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret uh, on uh, on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And, uh, well, it's, we got a few news and notes that we can wrap around here. As you know, we're still just kind of in anticipation for um, 
for football season. Uh, by the way, women's soccer did have their exhibition against Alabama. They lost three to nothing up in Tuscaloosa. They got another exhibition like we were talking about coming up on uh, coming up this weekend before they start their regular season. A um, couple of notes from around the world of uh, college football. The uh, uh, the crew from ESPN College Game Day, they will start their season uh, with their first show, their week zero show, they're calling it. Uh, Saturday morning, August 24th, they're going live from the Magic Kingdom. So um, uh, for in uh, in Orlando. So um, this was kind of this is kind of a little weird. They, they, they announced it and then it came out that like you can't bring any signs. You got to pay to get into the park, obviously, you know, and, and they're going to because they're going to be doing it from Main Street, USA and the train depot up there. Um, and it's it, there's not going to be like overly much fan interaction and so that was like getting some consternation on uh again on twitter but i'm like guys for crying out loud like like they're not preventing you from wearing your gear like show up all right there's a lot of um i know for a fact that there are a lot of ucf fans here that are uh that have annual passes to disney i know they're going to be there for that uh, for sure um you know but also like you know uh, not having a crowd around them is it, 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 obviously they're here for the Miami and Florida game, which will be a camping world stadium later that evening. Um, they, uh, you know, people are like, Oh, it's going to be the worst game day ever. I'm like, shut up. I, you know, it, it doesn't just, just go to, if you can make it go there and wear UCF stuff, that's what you should be doing. Right. So, um, but it is kind of cool, though, that, you know, they're making a little bit of a habit of coming to Orlando, isn't it? Eric? Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> making a, a habit to go to Orlando. And uh, last, you know, Disney World's uh, last I checked, is a pretty popular place for a lot of people to go. So I don't know why <laughs> some fans in the media, some of the college football media, they're real shocker. They're real upset about something, real grumpy about it. Big shock. When are they uh, everyone is just everyone uh, is just they're just ready to fight now. That, well, that, let's hear the thing. Let's, again, <laughs> listen, I, I, I am a passionate fan of that show. Uh, I think it's what they have done for the sport, let alone. I mean, for the network, but for that for college football with that show, considering how and take it from me, I've had to do remotes and uh, in, in a way lesser situation outdoor. There's a lot of stuff that happens if you do shows outdoors and in elements. And for what they've done with that show since the mid-90s going, taking it traveling, is pretty remarkable. They've also, and, and, and for, you know, so I follow the show very closely. I even know, you know, I talk to people from time to time that are pretty familiar with that show. That's how we were able to uh, tell you that they were coming here for the Cincinnati game <clears throat> when nobody yeah. else thought that was going to happen because supposedly ESPN was biased. But um, <laughs> whatever. Um, but here's the thing. People are like, my God, they're not. They can't believe they're doing a show with no fans or signs. Well, first of all, their first show every year they do, uh, week zero, is from the Bristol Studios. They do a season preview where they preview the entire season. So this is, and then they always do a show on January first from inside the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Where there's nobody in there, so this yeah. is not the first in front time. of a, in front of the beautiful green grass of the Rose Bowl. Correct. Uh, so this ain't the first time they've had a setting where there is no signs or fans or whatever it might be. Um, I think they're doing the show from Disney World. 
because it's close to you're not going to do it outside of the citrus bowl that's my question where do people want to do the show from the citrus outside the citrus bowl let's not get into that reason of the all the logistic issues yeah, some people talked about like you know you could do it on church street which is yeah like, okay well, well yeah, no, I, that's that where i want to hang out that would have been yeah. a cool idea but okay espn is owned by disney it's a disney show like come on well, and it's a lot more expensive to do a show. Like, they did the show in Times Square a couple, uh, a couple of years ago. That was one of their more expensive shows they've done. So yeah, that's because is, in New York. Like, correct. <laughs> your options are, if you try to do it, uh, let's say in Church Street, you know, let alone all the logistic issues with cops and things you would have to have, or you could do it in Disney World where, yes, the home of your bills, basically your, where the, owns your, the company. I'm going to take that one because it's probably a little – I'm going to say it's a little bit more cost-efficient. So I don't have a problem with it. Um, it's a great show, and I think they'll put out a great season preview show. And I think the cool thing about it is that nobody has brought it up, at least on the UCF fan standpoint, is because the show is in Orlando, there's a good chance UCF will be brought up on that show. Murph what, that you, Murph, what do you think? I, I, you know, I mean, I know you're like, ah, you know, sure. But, like, I, I don't know. I think it's good that they're back in Orlando again, right? Ah, sure. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you what do you want from me, Jeffrey? I don't know. I, I you know, Murph is still recovering. Murph is recovering from the two game days he was at last year with the football and the basketball version. So yeah, he's true. he's good. He's, he's fun. Good. Those are fun. Um, uh, I, I the only thing I can add to this that hasn't already been said, other than please stop complaining about this. It's not an issue. Is for a neutral site game, and Eric, you probably know this more than me, but for a neutral site game, since you don't have a campus university to serve as your backdrop, shouldn't you want to have a backdrop that is familiar to your nationwide audience? In which case, Disneyland seems like a pretty decent idea. Uh, yes, that seems that's a very fair Magic point. Magic Kingdom is, you know, fairly recognizable. I, I yeah. will say that. So, so you know, and and secondly, you know, and, and furthermore, stop it. Just stop. Just don't worry about this. I'm glad it's you saying that, not me. <laughs> it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a good three-hour show. show. It means football's here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's this is what it is. It's you know, Murph. You tell us. You say this all that. Like it's sports people sports. with a lot of Z's. But it's also oh, like sports with Z's. Sports yeah, with Z's is zany sports. This is just regular sports. It's it's also sports television. It's fun sports. It's fun sports television, right? Um, it's fine. The, the yeah, it's it's fine. My hope is that there are a lot of UCF fans out there, and that their presence is felt on the show. Because you know there are going to be some crowd shots around. During the show, you know, of Main Street USA, maybe they can't bring signs, but the fans are going to be there, right? And yeah, they'll be there. They'll pay three hundred dollars to get in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so they're well, unless you're a season, unless you're a season pass holder. That's but right. you know, but you know, go there, wear your UCF stuff, and you know, national what champs, I'm, all that kind of stuff, right? What I'm more curious about is, will they have a guest? picker or guest picker for the show or not that'll be more Povich. Oh, more can we get maury back baby let's get maury back all right if we can do that i, mean, I have it i have it on good authority that maury povich is coming back maury's, maury's you know back I'm, baby what i'm rooting for you know it's funny because last year when i did my who is the likely game day picker one of the people i put was mickey mouse and a lot of people were giving me crap about it what if they put Mickey Mouse? I could see Mickey Mouse being a right. I mean, it's his backyard, right? 
be in the mix right? for the how, show. How, how is, how do, Mickey has no voice. Like, how is he going to... Mickey has a voice? Yeah. Like, like not not in live and in person. Well, actually, no, you know, I, can't t- I can't say that. Like, they actually all, do show that. All right. By the way, the Philly Fanatic was a, first, a celebrity guest picker. Uh, oh, well, if they thing. figured that out, if they figured that out, then it's yeah. then it's fine. Um, you can write things down a sign. You can you like Philly Fanatic was actually one of the better like ones they ever done because you know if they talked about tigers, he would have like a tiger thing, and he would always do these sign language stuff. It was really entertaining, actually. The um, by the way, is Maury like our unofficial oh. good luck charm now? Um, I mean, think about it. Right, it's a good luck charm for somebody usually because uh, isn't that you pick? Isn't you UCF? Angle? UCF won the game, you know, last year. I mean, let's let's not sell Maury short here. Um, I'm still recovering from Eric's paternity test joke. <laughs> Thank you, Murphy. Thank you, Brian. Let's yeah. let's please move on. I hate the show. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, season tickets, by the way, if you're looking for UCF football season tickets, forget it. You're screwed. Um, all 28,000 season tickets at Spectrum Stadium have been sold out for uh, 2019. It's the first time that has ever happened. They had to sell, I think, about 60 or 70 heading into the weekend. Danny White uh, mentioned, uh, Danny White made the announcement on Twitter on Monday. Um, they're thinking about creating a uh, season ticket waiting list now. Obviously, they should. Um, this, remember, the stadium seats 44,206. 28,000 of them are uh, season tickets. You have uh, the, uh, I think it's, what is it, 3,000 for opponents. Um, and then the rest of them are single game and students. I forget exactly how many of the students are. I think it's, is it 12,000? Mm-hmm. I, forget, I forget what it is. Something but like 10 to 12, who knows? And, and then lot, they have a lot of kids, a lot of students. A lot of kids. And then there's a lot of, uh, and then there's obviously, they, they do put up some single games out there. What I thought was interesting is this. I went back and I looked at home attendance since 2017. And the, the first five games of 2017, first five home games, UCF um, got. 90% attendance only once. That was the ECU game. Then the South Florida game, the 49-42 game, and that was at a, that was 47,000 plus. That's 106% attendance. So they sold more than the capacity. UCF has not gone below 90% since. Um, and they've sold out officially the last three have been at over 100%. Um, attendance, but here's you know the, the debate is obviously now there now people are on Twitter are debating about like expanding the stadium now, which I think is ridiculous. Let's let, let's let's focus on selling out, you know, more than a season and building that waiting list before we start thinking about adding another twenty thousand seats to the stadium, and it's not going to have any impact on what conference we get into in the future if we even get into a different conference because. They don't care about stadium seating. They care about how many eyeballs you bring to television and how much money you bring them uh, in terms of donations. So, um, but nonetheless, I think that this is a real uh, big time feather in the cap of Danny White and his staff um, to do this. And I would love to see UCF fans do the same for all the other sports uh, that have won so often and won so much last year and indeed the last 
um, two years. Murph, I know that you you know some of the folks who've been working hard on getting to this. This was a really big goal for them to get to, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a moment where UCF Athletics uh, and their their team, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the the PR the PR team really of uh, and you know people that sell the tickets, they should toot their own horn. I mean, this is really a big moment. I mean. Yeah, there's not much else I can say about it. It is, it is a, it's a great milestone for the university for the football program. Um, just another, another, another milestone uh, over the past, you know, uh, number of years of success. They can just add this to the list. And by the way, Jeff, you are correct. It's a, about a twelve thousand seat student section. That's what I so, thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I mean it's it's good news. It's great. Just shows you the health of the program that we already knew was healthy, and it just keeps getting better. Yeah, Elo. We never thought we'd see the day, would we? Well, here's the thing. What I think that's helped them, and you mentioned the South Florida game in 2017, and I remember this vividly because that game kind of got bigger and bigger as the year developed because USF was having a good mm-hmm. year and all that. And, so and then the game be- itself as it was happening got bigger sure, and sure. bigger. <laughs> but, but I remember this game because all of a sudden people were scrambling to find tickets. And I remember people were spending hundreds of dollars just to get in. Uh, because it was such a hot day, uh, ticket. And I remember UCF was like, well, you know, if you would have bought season tickets, you could have spent that much money for season tickets and stuff like that. And so what's happened is, is one of the advantages, people talk about, well, it's only 44, whatever thousand. One of the positives about that is it creates urgency. Yeah. Urgency. You need to get season tickets if you want the South Florida game or the Stanford game and not have to spend over triple digits to get in. You know, one of the things that, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about college football attendance down. And one of the things that's hurt the attendance is teams like Florida, for example, that expanded their seats. Well, that's great, except it doesn't create urgency. I've talked to a buddy of mine who's a Gator fan, you know, 10, 20 years ago when there wasn't every game was not on TV. uh, You felt like, man, I got to get season tickets. So I'm sh- I make sure that I'm in there for Florida State and LSU or who- Tennessee or whoever you wanted to see. What's happened now with the uh, with technology with every game on TV on HD, you don't have that urgency anymore. I don't need to buy season tickets anymore. I could get them on a on a secondary market if I want to, because uh, I can maybe get a better deal if I feel like this team's not very good this year or things like that, or. Uh, you know, I could just stay home and watch the game. So there's no urgency now to get tickets and to be at every game if, if the stadium is so big. I think UCF's advantages from their standpoint is you have to do that because if you don't buy season tickets now, if you want to go to the South Florida game, you're probably going to have to spend over 100 bucks to get in. Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, I was mentioning that um, I, <laughs> I wonder if some of these schools that have some some of these massive stadiums, uh, aren't looking at this and thinking, you know, we could pr- we could we would probably be doing better if we lopped off, say, another ten, fifteen thousand from some of these stands. Like, think if you're Tennessee, right? Um, right now, there are, there are seven stadiums among the autonomous five schools that are actually smaller than Spectrum Stadium. You guys care to guess which schools they are? I actually tweeted out earlier. You probably saw it. I didn't see it. All right. Go ahead. I didn't see it either. There you hey. go. I'm sorry. Right. sorry. I'm sorry I don't have hey, you on sorry. my Twitter notifications. I have all you guys on my notifications, so, like, what the hell, man? Anyway, um, Baylor, TCU. B- By the way, Baylor's stadium is the newest. 
Baylor, TCU, Boston College, Duke, Vanderbilt, Washington State, and Wake Forest are all smaller by capacity than Spectrum Stadium. And Utah and Oregon State are just barely more by like no more than about like a couple hundred. All right. So um, it, it doesn't it, 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 the, the stadium is fine <laughs> in terms of capacity. I think that there are a bunch of schools out there that would look that that are looking at their current situation and saying, you know, like, man, maybe we should UCF has it made because they are pumping demand for their product. Well, well and I think 45, the thing is, it's I think the key is not just expanding with generic seats is can you expand those you know, premium seats, which has been done right. very well for UCF. Uh, but you, it keeps you, it keeps you on urgency. There's urgency is the word. There's, you have to, if you want to secure yourself to get tickets, that's the season tickets. And I think that helps. That's why uh, a lot of times, you, you know, you, in stadiums like that, you're going to draw very well. And look, you have South Florida this year on the schedule and you have Stanford on the schedule. Uh, it's a good schedule from that standpoint. Those are probably the two games that a lot of UCF fans, the casual fan, probably wants to go to. So now you secure yourself at a reasonable price for the season ticket package. You don't necessarily have to go to every game, but you can maybe give the ticket to somebody else. But you now know you have a seat to those games instead of, oh, crap, it's game week. I better – I got to go get us, you know, pay probably hundreds of dollars from scalpers. Yeah. Yeah. Like think about if you're like, uh, like cow. Okay, Cal Berkeley. There, Cal Memorial Stadium seats sixty-two thousand. Like, don't you think they'd love to increase demand by if that seat was if that stadium I'm not was saying, down look, to look, maybe down the 45? road and like, I'm not saying like maybe down the road and maybe it it'll make sense to 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 expand. But I think it's just a, it's a knee-jerk reaction. I think the reason some people have brought it up is because they want to schedule more attractive uh, opponents, and they feel like. By attracting, having a bigger stadium, you could give more tickets to the opponent and things like that. But that doesn't guarantee that either. So right. I think that's the wrong, and that's the wrong reason to expand. The reason you should expand is because there's huge demand. And uh, I know they, you know, we, we don't know that. It's a very fair weather sports fan market these days. I mean, Florida State had thirty to 40,000 season tickets a few years ago when they were coming off national championships. Two crappy seasons later, they're down, they're, their season tickets are now down in the teens. So you got to be careful with that because it can co- it, what comes around goes around. You just, you know, it's a volatile situation. So you got to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you think about like other schools that actually have shrunk their stadiums, like uh, yeah. Stanford, for example. Like they're used to, theirs used to sit, seat what uh, – like over eighty thousand at one point, um, uh, and uh, and they they are at its maximum I think for a game was ninety four thousand in the nineteen thirties, you know, and they dropped it down to about uh, I'm looking at I'm trying to see what the they they dropped it down to to fifty thousand in Stanford right so yeah it, it's. It, we're we're approaching a new era where actually Spectrum Stadium is becoming the model to look forward to. So uh, another so another thing that I wanted to uh, look at when this is the last thing we'll wrap up was is looking at all sports and as we as we get ready to start um, the all sports schedule here with women's soccer. You know we thought remember Ela last year that uh, it was the um, winningest season possibly ever for all UCF team sports. Well, 
I went back and looked at the data going back to 2001, 2002, which was, which was the first year of UCF softball. So UCF sports por- portfolio has not had any additions or subtractions since that year in terms of which sports. And wouldn't you know it, last year, if you add up all the win-loss records for the teams, for the teams that count wins and losses, so both tennis programs, baseball, softball, both basketballs, both soccers, football, and volleyball, 71% win percentage last year. That's the highest since 2001, 2002, in that, in that entire 18-year period. Second highest was 671 in 03-04. Third highest, the year before, 2017-2018, So to credit to, uh, I think that this is a real credit to Danny White and what he's been able to achieve. And, and he set out to create a winning top 25 program across the board, and he succeeded um, in doing that, and the proof is in the pudding. And I think that uh, you know who else deserves a lot of credit though is the coaches who uh, who have come in and um, and demanded excellence, and and we've seen it. We've seen it manifest itself, um, uh, especially especially last year. What a ride last year was! Like, what could you possibly do to to follow that up, right? <laughs> right, Eric. I mean, come on. Just make every team make the tournament at that point, right? Yeah, I, mean, I know. Uh, yeah. Well, I just want to. I want to thank Brian Murphy because since he returned from California, UCF has not has not has won everywhere. So I really oh. believe Brian. Brian brought winning from Los Angeles. So thank you, Brian, on behalf of Night Nation. So winning town, baby. All I can say, Eric, is you're damn welcome. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this puppy up. We've got, uh, you know, we're going to continue with uh, getting some preview stuff up there for this week. Um, Brian, what do you have coming up this week? Well, we get to talk uh, to. Do we have a quarterback yet? No. Okay. No. By the way, but we will ask. We will continue to ask questions on Friday. That is the next time that uh, the media gets to meet with uh, UCF players and coaches. We're scheduled to meet with the offensive coaches. Not exactly sure whom yet. Uh, maybe Hypo is out there since we haven't uh, seen him in about a week. But uh, but I'm sure he will not tell us who the quarterback is. Other than that, I, have, I really should put up my story. I went around asking a bunch of guys what they're most looking forward to their se- this season. What, what's something that they don't know? Right now, they're most looking forward to finding out this season. And uh, so I have a lot of responses to that question that I should put up. And over the weekend, I will be uh, contributing, Jeffrey, right, in a SB Nationwide question and answer sort of team-specific. What am I doing? Yeah, it's, oh, it's basically – so this is what's funny. No, um, the mothership has asked every team site to do uh, to send someone over to do just a quick preview where they answer the base, same five questions. And Murph, you know you know UCF football better than anybody I know, so, um, so I sent them you. So be sure so, to look yeah. for that on the mothership. He did have a, a media, you know – Thing he sold, he, you know, he filled out in the American Conference. He had a ballot for crying yeah, out loud. Had a ballot. Oh, I mean, the, he- the, he- out, the Heisman uh, ballots in the mail. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think it's funny that we did this series about the five biggest question about UCF football, and now <laughs> and then SB Nation, yeah, comes back and like, hey, answer these five bigger questions. The five biggest questions for UCF yeah. football. Like, all right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I, but anyway, I guess we're be... trendsetters on the network, you know. That's right, baby. Yeah. 
That's right. Now they're just following our lead. Elo, what you got? So I'm going to be working on who are some of the top fall UCF athletes you need to see this fall. You heard a cu- perhaps a couple of those names Coach Zahedek mentioned, but who are some others? Who's g- I will have that for you on the few- in the Black and Go Banner. I'll be working on that. So some of the top athletes this fall, because one of the things we'll be doing this fall, each week, we're going to give out some uh, awards, right? Like a little night of the week, yep. a little who's the top a UCF athlete. Yeah, one of the features that we're looking at every week, we're going to do a three stars. We're going to do three stars for all the for all the Olympic sports at UCF, and that's one thing that I actually I'm looking forward to uh, to right. doing is uh, is I want to have a lot more frequent um, all sports. Obviously, we we cover all sports at UCF, but I want to even step it up even more. So that's one thing we'll have. We'll obviously have our nightcaps for uh, for the weekend in all sports. Um, and that'll be fun too. And we're continuing our sports previews as well. We'll be talk- hopefully we'll be talking to Scott Calabrese really soon, Todd Dagenet really soon. We're going to dive in with uh, w- with golf and tennis probably as the fall goes as the fall goes on because they play sort of across both semesters. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun too, and it'll be great to talk to them um, as well. All right, um, make sure you follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at uh or, or make sure you follow us on twitter make sure you follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold banner at uh and of course at black and gold each of us individually brian is at spokes underscore murphy eric is at eric lopez elo follow luke saris too at luke saris and he's been just savage luke has been savage this week um, in He's this in generation's Pumpkin. macho man randy savage he is <laughs> he he is just killing it out there, dude. And uh, and yeah, I mean, we have uh, uh, and obviously follow He's got Jeremy a depth chart out already. He's got I know. A depth chart. He ain't he, waiting for the coach and the, staff. He he posted the projected two week two deep depth chart. He did the McMurphy story. Uh, he's got another one in the uh, in the works right now. Um, comparing UCF as one of the best programs in the decade, which is like, I mean, he's just wow. killing it out here, man. It's, it's I mean, he's really. He's, he's really embarrassing the rest of us, quite frankly. Um, no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, follow Luke and follow Jeremy Brenner, of course, uh, as well, uh, to make sure that you follow uh, all of his stuff that he'll be coming up with uh, for us uh, as we head into an inch closer to football. So we are 10 days away from watching actual college football on television, boys. Can you smell it? Just think, Jeffrey, we might come here next week in seven days and we might have a quarterback name. We might have a we might have a kicker and a punter name too. We don't know that yet, but you know, just saying, just saying, you know. All right, for for Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you next week.